Welcome to our second session on the whole life path. And the um, ever-present fact that one way or another, or another moment by moment, the mind is forming and reforming. The world appears a certain way. We feel a certain way. We're in a, we have a certain mood. Mind states churning and changing. The things that we're aware of constantly shifting. Perceptions. Sensations. And the sense of it feels like this right now. This, this is the path, right? Do you sense that your mind is working right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, just, right? How could this not be path? Does it condition the next moment, the way you see and think right now? Does it condition what's next? That's the whole thing. That's freedom, and imprisonment that is suffering and the end of suffering this is which is all very nice to say unless you know your baby's crying or your mother just died or someone spilled coffee on your lap i mean that's also the moment <laughs> so we you know we prepare ourselves through practice, formal practice, informal practice, to do the whole thing with brilliance, with skill. That's what being awake is. So being awake is being skillful, yeah? Otherwise, it's like, what is it? So, one of the things that draws us into the uh, kind of the tangle when we're stimulated by the world, when our mind fabricates things and we're drawn in, that drawing in, that's upadana, that's the clinging. We're holding on to stuff that otherwise would just move through, right? Otherwise, it's just a flow of experience coming and going, no big deal. But we hold on as things flow through and we obsess about them. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're obsessing. We're just doing stuff and either we're interested or we like it or we hate it or whatever. It just seems like life. But we're holding and hungering for the next thing. And when we get it, we hold on. And if we don't like it, we hold on to get rid of it. So that tension of holding on, clinging, is what's kind of gumming things up. It's like, it's like pouring sugar into someone's petrol tank, you know, or, or, or putting um, sand in the gears. Everything with the clinging gets kind of jammed up. And our otherwise quite remarkable capacity for 
seeing things, feeling things, hearing things, thinking things through, whatever, uh, turns into this um, uh, kind of uh, gummy, often confused, distracted, the, the stuff that we call normal. You know, that that stuff, as opposed to if you've ever, let's say, gone on retreat and you maybe temporarily feel mindful and clear and not not called into every conflict in the world and grabbing and pushing away. You know, there's moments when you say, oh, life could be like this. (laughs) Then it's not. That not is because we've started all that clinging again. Sure, the special states of relaxing the body-mind are no longer protected, so they're gone. Well, that's just tough luck because life is like that. But it's the clinging, the habits of clinging and thirsting for things that binds us. And that's why the path is always happening, because we're always bound or free, bound or free, depending upon how we see the world and these habits of holding on to it. There's no moment when that's not happening. It's happening as you hear me now. As you, let's say, assess my words and feel a certain way about them. Or maybe your mind is distracted and you're thinking about something that's like really pressing in on you now, but you had this hour and a half for this thing with Gregory, so you're going to do it anyway. And maybe it's like that for you right now. And those things, not that they're not important, not that they don't deserve your attention, but the path is happening while you're giving them attention. What's the quality of attention? What are your values, your intentions? What's the state of the body-mind while we attend to these things of life that are not always clean and nice and as we want them? That's a given. That's just how it is. How do we do it? How do we live it? What does that path look like? So that's what we're talking about. It's nothing less than every moment of our lives. (laughs) I know it's audacious. But it's kind of if you're willing to take that leap to see the path that way and try it out, then you have Ehi Pasako, come and see for yourself, right? So let's take a foundation just as we did last week in pausing the mindfulness and that's like can just be recollected in any instant you pause and here we are right so there's a sense of knowing the knowing knowing the moment but let's attend to the next insight dialogue guideline pause relax and see what that has to offer us because obviously it's tied in with the whole of the path. And we can talk about exactly how, but it's also tied in with a practice of insight dialogue that is simply a means to help us realize the path, right? 
So it's uh, just like traditional meditation. You don't live your life in formal meditation, but it has enormous value. It's like that. So um, as a way of uh, touching this meditation instruction, relax, and it's many layers, relax, receive, allow, metta, samadhi, many layers to this aspect of insight dialogue. Let's just uh, stop for a moment and if you're comfortable uh, either closing your eyes or just letting them be downcast because I'm going to invite you internally to notice where do you notice any tensions or discomforts in the body? Uh, as I pause, for example, the pause is the mindfulness that lets us look inward. So as I'm pausing now and speaking, I notice that the eyes are flickering a little bit. Like, uh, like I should be looking at the screen, I should be teaching, I sh you know, this kind of thing. So I offer pause, relax, and I bring attention to my eyes. There's still some flickering, but there's kind of a invitation to settle. But then I move on. It doesn't have to be perfect because I can just accept and receive that that's how it is now. So relax also includes just accepting things that aren't perfect. Pause, relax, accept. Then I move down to, I notice my cheeks, kind of the muscles around the eyes and the upper cheeks. And I just invite relax. And there's a softening that happens. And you can move through your face, your mouth, your tongue, your neck, and just see for yourself what's there. and offer pause so the mindfulness is strengthened, relax. Actually offer the word relax, allow, relax. Does it let go? Can it let go? Whatever it is. perhaps down through the throat and down into the chest. And this offer, pause, relax, it's an invitation, it's not an order. Pause, relax, a reminder. Ah, yes, right. What we give attention to that's what we become. That's the Dhamma teaching. And this is giving attention to pasadi, tranquility, and samadhi, stillness. Gathering the mind. So I notice my solar plexus, the feelings there. 
And I just dwell with receiving and allow. Relax, allow, accept. In the belly. Even the whole of the body. Pause is the brightness, the luminosity in the entire body. Pause. Relax. Allow. It's like this right now. Just like this. And breath can help. So I'd like to follow this up with a little um, practice that gives us a chance to observe this guideline at work in a very gross way, just so that we can get a sense of the actuality of this as a practice. So take your hand and just make a fist. Be good if you put it near the in the screen so others can see you're doing it. And squeeze tight. And squeeze tight enough that like you really feel it in your forearm, you know? And you and you and like you can see my you know, my I don't know if you can see, but you know, my knuckles are turning white. I mean I'm really squeezing and keep it up. And and you can feel the muscle, right? The muscle these muscles are working to tighten this up really, really tight and hard. It is not comfortable. That's part of the deal. Sorry. Make it tight. Make it tight. And in a moment when I offer relax, just let go. Don't do anything else other than stop creating the tension. Holding tight. I see some of you are shaking. That's perfect. And ready. Pause. Relax. Just let go. Don't do anything else. Like my hand isn't even opening. And just notice that you can relax. You could let go. You could invite a change in your muscles. And like open your hand intentionally to let it, you know, loosen up a little bit. And notice that you can do that. Very physical. Very, very simple. Pause. Relax. Right? So, for example, when I pay attention to just dropping my hand, letting it down. You could do that as well. Just notice, oh, the arm relaxes. Ah, well, that's nice. Like that. Like that. Now, the reason, <laughs> the reason I offer such a primitive experience is because there was this myth that was promulgated through the mindfulness community some years ago that you can't intentionally relax um, and that's nonsense. And when I used to say that, mindfulness was such a powerful, important political force in our tiny little world. I was like, you know, 
going against the culture, but you can intentionally relax. But the fact is, there are many things that you cannot intentionally relax. That's also important, which is what the mindfulness world was really saying, right? And that's true. So when you come upon something that doesn't relax, the awareness stays with it and it's just receive and allow. So what relaxes to the body, accept is to the mind. That's the move, accept, just let it in. Pause, relax. So for example, someone says something in insight dialogue and you get all tense and you know you feel attacked or angry or judgmental pause and you become aware of your you know when you pause it's not always going to be groovy you know sometimes you pause you're aware of things as they are and sometimes big surprise they're tense or difficult or someone's not behaving the way you want and you're reacting to that that's life right that's just how it is especially when you look at a whole life path that's how it is so pause is to become aware of actuality. It's not to induce sort of a passive, semi-comatose uh, kind of, um, you know, um, meditative caricature of yourself. Oh, pause and I'm groovy. It's pause and this is how it is. With mindfulness, sati. Relax. Okay, whatever is tense... We, we, we let go of, relax, allow. But there's stuff like, I'm still upset at this thing. I can't let go of that. I mean, the, the hormones of, you know, adrenaline and like all kinds of stuff are already flowing through my blood. I can't just say relax and have it leave my blood, right? So it's just accept and you accept the, vibrating quality of the mind. You even accept the tensions in the body that you can't let go of. If you have pain, like a chronic pain, you pause, relax. You know, your body may be tensing physiologically around some kind of pain. Accept and receive. So the awareness and it just kind of enters the awareness, like the, the painful sensation or the agitation or the mind state is known by awareness and it just comes right in, just comes right in. It's okay. It's received. You don't fight it. You stop the wrestling match. Pause, receive, allow. So I'd like to give us a few minutes of practice right now, literally just three minutes for each person in your group to, and here's your contemplation, here's your practice, to notice in the pause, where is there any tension? What happens when I offer relax, receive, allow, and speak it? Just speak of the experience. You would pause again after you say something, Notice again, more subtle, or somewhere else in the body. Ah, I'm noticing there's this, let me make it real, I don't want to invent this. Okay. I'm noticing that there is a sort of a, 
solar plexus sensation here. I don't know exactly why, but, you know, so I pause, aware of it. I offer relax. I can feel the muscles around relaxing. But this thing is still here, so I'm, I offer a relax, allow, receive, accept. And I'm noticing, yeah, this is just, as I just sort of let it into awareness, the mind settles with it. So the mind is getting quite uh, stable still, and it's still here. Okay, so it didn't disappear. I would have liked it to disappear, but that's not why I'm practicing. I'm practicing for awareness and to receive life as it is, and then I can do it out there, (laughs) you know, under the not special circumstances. So this is a practice. But importantly, please pay attention to this. You're You're pausing and relaxing as you listen not just as you speak. So you're pausing and relaxing and you're practicing together. So you're giving each other the opportunity to notice that interpersonal sensitivity. You pause and receive and kind of, what's this like in its actuality? Your stability in practice is contributing to mine. Mine is contributing to yours. We are together in that. Pause. Relax. And so now our practice can go deeper. So we're just starting with insight dialogue. So this is, you know, building up our practice together. And then we'll be applying that to an exploration of other path factors, okay? So that's your, your, your contemplation is relax itself, right? Not, a, no, not some other topic. You're not talking about relax in the abstract. It's the actual experience. You offer the guideline. If, if, if relax doesn't work, just go with accept and try to describe that experience. What's that like? You'll only have three minutes and practice continuity of meditation, not only as you speak, which is quite a challenge, but also as you listen as you sit in relationship and receive these words. Pause, relax, receive, allow. Okay? So at the very beginning of your um, breakout groups, you'll have about, um, you know, a minute or two to just choose your first, second, and third speaker. There will be groups of three. And to make sure that the host has a chance to do all the organizing before, you know, so everybody's in. Then it'll be three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, and no group practice. So a total of just nine minutes because we have so much wonderful stuff to do today. Okay? Okay, thank you, Richard. When we're practicing with the guideline, relax, we're bringing in the... uh, classical uh, practice of pasadi and samadhi, as I said, of tranquility and stillness, concentration. And when we have time over the course of, let's say, longer meditation session or even 
uh, multi-day retreat. Uh, this, the experience of samadhi in insight dialogue practice can be uh, quite profound. Uh, we usually think of uh, practicing, or shall I say, speaking and listening with other people as being uh, something that's exciting or even agitating or something like that. Um, but let's think about the really the deep nature, if you will, of stress and its diminishing and the calming that's behind samadhi. Because if we want to understand sama samadhi, right concentration, right stillness, uh, we need to understand its roots. Um, We could begin by just asking a question. Why are we not more often calm? Why does the mind scatter so amazingly, horrifically even, all over the place, all the time? Why does that happen? Well, um, let's just start with the basics of survival. Put yourself in the jungle. I suspect most of you have never been in a jungle. So how about you're just out on the heath or you're out, you know, in the city or wherever you are, that there's a lot going on. Who's going to survive? You, who's all like chilled out and just hanging? Or the person who's like alert and on it and whatever could come next and has vigilance? Obviously, vigilance is rewarded with survival, right? So this is reflected in our chemistry. We have these liquids of vigilance that we call hormones, and we have this uh, neural system and perceptual system that's constantly feeding things in. And when something comes in and alerts us, the whole body-mind is uh, flushed, and the one who gets more flushed (laughs) more quickly survives. And as a species, we also warn each other of these things. And, you know, you run, run, look out. And that's what birds do. That's what, you know, monkeys do and elephants. All the creatures have this built-in mechanism of vigilance and then the shared vigilance of a species survival. That's us. That's you looking at me right now. And constantly, part of your body is still saying, even after this last little time of you know my offering, relax, your body-mind is still saying, is this okay? Is this safe? That's built in. And it's built in relationally. So um, the, the body-mind favors that kind of vigilance and... Let's also look at our history of uh, evolving as in our intelligence and in our um, tribal survival, because we can't survive alone. We never could survive alone. And now we have not only a one-celled animal or we're not just reptiles, we're mammals. 
we happen to be human beings, homo sapiens sapiens, as it were, and now I am comforted by mother. I am comforted by grandmother, sometimes by fathers. God bless the fathers who know how to comfort. And I am comforted by my tribe. I am comforted by others. That's where it's safe. And in fact, if I'm kicked out of the tribe, I will die. So my function within a social setting is crucial, not just to my feeling good about myself. People like me, it's all groovy. It's how I survive. So think about, if you will, for a moment, where you have received calming in the presence of another. Maybe if you're lucky, it was your mother or your father or a, a, a beloved caregiver. Some people don't have that. Maybe it was a minister, a priest, a psychotherapist. Maybe it was a dear friend. But where we have turned in our stress, our agitation, our lostness, our fear, and been not only comforted by others, but actually co-regulated, down-regulated together. We do this naturally. Just like we have these, this vigilance naturally. So what's the connection with our always on Noble Eightfold Path? Well, this shows us that there are constantly forces at work that are fostering agitation and that can establish calm. And the role of spiritual friendship in cultivating calm, offering presence to each other. Sila, morality, is about safety to each other. And practicing together in insight dialogue with pause, relax, just as we talked about this candle in a house of mirrors, here's our little candle, here's our house of mirrors, Right? And it, the mindfulness, the sati, is reflecting between us. So it is with samadhi. Pause, relax, offers that. But how does samadhi become a whole life practice when we think of it as only happening on the cushion? Or we think of it as only happening even worse on retreat or something? Or almost, I mean, all these bad things I'm going to say, you know, another bad thing that we do, <laughs> unhelpful is what I mean, I don't mean immoral, is we say, I can't possibly have a gathered calm mind. I can't possibly be concentrated. My mind is all over the place. That quality of meditation, that quality of the path must be for other people because it's never for me. I, I don't have access to that. And we think that because we don't know what it looks like. The only cultural models we have for Pasadi and Samadhi 
and for right samadhi. Well, we don't have any good models for right samadhi. So the only models we have for dysfunctional samadhi is, you know, you take a, a drink of alcohol or you smoke some cannabis or maybe you go from, you let's say, read the Sunday paper or something like that. So you go from high agitation to moderate agitation. And that's what we call calm. And that is our basis for the Sama Samadhi. But we can do better. So one of the things that I tried to treat in the Whole Life Path book was this range of samadhi because the depth of samadhi is such that it is the operating path factor for liberating insight. Because when the mind is still enough and gathered, those are the two features of samadhi. The mind is serene and gathered, concentric, right? So, when the mind is in such a, when there is such a quality of mind, the samadhi mind, it settles. Now it can settle down into absorption, jhana, such that there can be uh, a, a, a discrete leveling up of rapture, of bliss. And there can be um, a, a discrete leveling up of stillness. And as those steps of absorption increase, well, this, uh, the degree of stillness is now effectively otherworldly. It's not something that we just go out and live with because the slightest agitations and the mind is back in, you know, um, in, act, in its activated state. But let's look at why that's so important to liberating insight. And this really matters to the whole life path, by the way. So stay with me. So when there is a sufficient stillness, now all of the movement of the world, and especially the world-making of your own mind, right? all of those things that we talked about that get glued up and that the way we see things and the kind of the holding on, we see all of that process with great um, clarity and precision because there's the stillness and an equanimity that knows it. It's not falling into it. And the kind of the ultimate aspect of that, that the Buddha speaks about again and again in the discourses, is that one perceives the rising and the vanishing the rising and the vanishing, right? How are you going to perceive the rising and the vanishing if you're holding on to whatever it is that you're, you know, 
either fabricating in your mind or perceiving it through the senses, you're riding on that. And it's a very gross process of constantly forming the next moment of that experience. You're never going to see the rising and vanishing. Does this make sense? I want to know. Okay, thank you. So that's why the samadhi lets you see things that you can't see otherwise. Now, the same thing happens at a, uh, not, as, not as at such a refined level, but in that exact same dynamic, dynamic, that's what happens as samadhi develops in insight dialogue. The relational experience is constantly rising and vanishing, unfolding together, right? We're here in this awareness together. And as stillness comes in, and one is aware of the relational experience, then not only do you see the, you know, places where, oh, I'm trying to impress this person, or, you know, I'm fearful, or I really love this, I feel great, I'm enjoying the bliss of it, and this kind of thing. You can see all that. But you can also see into the, into there's a like a releasing of the self-making process right here in relation. You actually can experience not self in relation. It sounds paradoxical, but it's, it's, a, it's an experience that countless meditators have had. This shifts just like seeing not self in a silent practice, it shifts your sense of human possibility and of relational possibility. You have a sense of what it means to be related without only being related through our stories. You're related in this, let's call it a directly coupled way. I call it unconstructed intimacy, where the Relationship is not built up out of all of our shared experiences and all the things we know about each other and all the safety I feel with you. The relationship has been cleared of all the grasping for that moment, not permanently, right? And then there's just the bare field of awareness and the settling so that the samadhi, the relational samadhi is established the self which has been built up out of tension and holding on and getting and fleeing, that's gone just for a while. Just like in traditional practice, just for a while. And you can see what you couldn't see otherwise. right? And you know now that this is a, a human possibility and you understand, you see the kind of the the bare relatedness of it, not the fabrication process. So how does a life of agitation contribute or pull us away from liberating insight, from samadhi? It's an important question. You know why? Because we're going we're asking ourselves, what are our basic values on the path? What are we doing here? Do we do we have a taste for this uh, freedom? 
or are we mostly really interested in, uh, you know, pleasure and uh, excitement and so on? So, um, if you're interested in this, there's so much that I can't say because of time, because I want to invite you into one more short practice. Um, if you go to the chapter on Sama Samadhi, Right Samadhi in my Whole Life Path book, I hope you come away with a sense of the spectrum of Samadhi, that it's not one experience. There are different practices of Samadhi that yield different results and that how we live moment by moment, day by day, everyday stuff has an enormous impact on our capacity for pasadi and samadhi, tranquility and right samadhi, right calm concentration. And finally, that it is not beyond you. Despite what you might think about caricatures or stereotypes of samadhi. Okay? So, um, I'll be inviting us now into another breakout room. You'll have the same meditation partners. And, um, yeah, uh, time is always an issue in these short hour and a half things that we do. So let's, uh, take um, I'll tell you what let's do it this way let's just take two minutes for each of the three speakers and then let's take seven minutes for all three together okay and you'll have of course the first minute to just settle who's the first speaker and so on and you're going to work, practice with pause, relax. And this is crucial because I'm going to give you something to talk about also. So you might want to just jump right in or as you're listening, you might just get really excited or something. Pause, relax, receive. Make it an intentional practice here and now of calming the body-mind where possible and where it's not possible, just receive and I'll accept and allow. Okay? Pause, relax. And the uh, reflection is, where in my life am I manifesting, valuing, developing right samadhi, not just refined meditation, this spectrum of samadhi that includes, let's say, entering into flow in your practices of art or athletics. It includes the calming that's not built around uh, intoxicants. It includes all of that all the way through to your relational experiences. Where am I calmed by others? And then after you have two minutes, two minutes, and two minutes, you'll have seven minutes together, pausing and relaxing and checking out the relational space. Can you relax together 
and continuing the conversation. Where is this manifesting? Where is samadhi manifesting in your life? And then, of course, in Insight Dialogue, it always can come back to here and now. Is there samadhi manifesting now? See for yourself. Don't push it. Don't expect it. But also don't be surprised if you actually begin to be with others in their reminding and being with you of this human possibility. Okay? Pause. Relax is your kind of core practice now. The mindfulness and the tranquility. Pause. Relax. I'd like to leave a few minutes to um, explore how this is going for you and how your practice was. Um, But I'd like to also introduce this uh, notion of, uh, in the whole life path, the role of samadhi has almost a symbolic wholeness to it. And that is to say, Yes, it has this pat place in the in the in the Buddha Dhamma and in the Noble Eightfold Path in the most classical sense of being uh, a really important path factor in its more refined form of uh, uh, formal meditation, whether that's interpersonal or individual meditation but just that formal practice. And so, as I said, it is the the key path factor associated with insight. You think of it as being mindfulness, but the it's when the samadhi comes together with the mindfulness that the actual insight happens. Mindfulness alone doesn't have this, the, the balance, right? And it doesn't have that stillness that lets you know the nature of movement. Um, but, and this is where we want to look at the whole spectrum, throughout our lives, we are constantly engaging in a way, in ways that can create more tension, stress, uh, gripping, or less. And so the question for us in our whole life path is, how am I living in such a way that it will impact samadhi, right? And that means all those times that we're choosing to completely stress ourselves out because we think it's going to be fun, that's fine. But just recognize that when you put your body into those, you know, kind of bungee jumping situations or, um, you know, first shooter video games, first person shooter games, or... Um, you know, uh, uh, go clubbing. Those those can all be fun, but they have an impact on the body. They have an impact on the mind. Likewise, in our livelihoods, how much is about tension, fragmentation, friction, and being downright frantic? How much in our personal lives 
Are we noticing the valuing and the placement in our choices of friendships, in our family lives or wherever, where there's a fostering of agitation as a norm? And where is there a valuing of the steadiness of body-mind? These are not small questions. And uh, if you're serious about a whole life path, which, you know, I hope is beginning to intrigue you, then this becomes an inquiry that can follow you and, and benefit you. Not like going through your life judging everything as, oh, this is bad. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing too much excitement. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad meditator. I'm definitely not a good Buddhist, you know, and you can, you can go that route. It's not very productive. It's more just monitoring that aspect of experience that is tension, stress, gripping, getting more, getting more. Because ultimately, samadhi is just about letting go. That's, you know, when there's no holding on, when there's no clinging, there's no, uh, none of the hindrances to samadhi. Agitation, doubt, worry, anger, you know, all those things. When the hindrances are gone, there's a natural manifesting. And I try to treat this really carefully in, in my chapter, that there's a natural aspect of samadhi that we can locate and that we can nourish in our lives. And how do we do that? It's part of the path. So it's a very joyful part of the path, actually. So for your practice this uh, next week, I propose that investigation, noticing where there's stress. You could even offer yourself pause, relax. And the pause is you wake up to it as it actually is. You know, you're in that meeting with a coworker and you pause and you notice and where is the stress in the body, whether it's going well or not going well, there's going to be some stress. That's just how it is. And, you know, Bring it right there. Bring it right into your home. Bring it right into your uh, using public transportation or walking your dog or anything. Your time in nature is going to be one of the most natural, one of the most um, kind of native ways of contacting that co-regulation of the, it's the vastness and your heart co-regulating towards some kind of sanity. That's why one of the reasons nature is so beautiful. So I hope that this uh, next week of practice, if, you know, um, finds you curious and engaging with how is every moment of my life path? Because it already is. It's just noticing and then aiming it skillfully. And the whole, and the Eightfold Path is a schema of some suggestions, really good ones, for how to do that. But it's already here. It's not like something you have to make. Because one way or another, the mind is constantly forming and reforming suffering and the end of suffering. So here. So this, this week with an emphasis on where is this, you know, calming, gathering the mind, 
Be generous with yourself. Notice where the mind gathers at play and at work. Notice how it gathers with good relationships. The mind comes right in, in that moment of interpersonal contact. Very beautiful. And uh, you can notice when it's not happening and when you're going towards the frenetic side of life. And uh, so we'll close. That's a good place to think of beings who are suffering with so much um, investment in agitation and uh, trying to find happiness by getting more and more stimulation and the pain of that, the constant pain of that. And beings who are unable to relax because it's not safe where they are. They live on the street. They're immigrants. They're in an unsafe situation with people. And let your heart know that. Let let the tenderness of compassion touch you now. Wishing that these beings might find ease, safety, comfort. All beings who are suffering, may they all be free from suffering. And the causes of suffering. Beings near and far, may they all be free. May our practice today, everything we've done, be a benefit to these beings. May they share in the merits of our practice, our efforts, our goodwill. May there be peace. May there be peace. May there be peace. Well, thank you, friends. <laughs>